Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got into my arms. She loves flowers. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Well, on Oliver Plunkett Street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818 do you know, I'll be talking in a little while about the COVID payment, the COVID 1000 euro bonus, because there's hundreds of people still haven't got it yet. So compare and contrast that with the big story of the morning and of the day. Later, I'll take a more, if you want, professional look at it with Ian Guider, a journalist from the Business Post. He'll join me during the morning to go through the the, the sort of the, the nitty gritty of what exactly went on here. But we have to talk about Tubbs. We talked about him earlier in the year when he announced that he was stepping down from the Late Late Show. Interesting, we never saw that coming. We were told, oh God, this is a total bolt out of the blue. That was around the same time that people were starting to look at accounts in in RTE and, and, and money had been found. Found, I use in large inverted commas, that no one seems to have known about. Now, the two I'm conflating in my mind. I'm tying them up in my mind. I'm not making any suggestion. Tubbs is off air this morning, by the way. They, they took him off yesterday and said... Probably better if you didn't do a show this morning. I'd like to know what you think about this. This is the biggest story to break out of RTE in a very, very long time. And it involves eye-watering sums of money. Before I go into them, one thing that I can honestly say to people who call this show from time to time and they give out about what I might be paid is it's none of your business. This is a commercial operation and my salary is between me and the business and nobody else. Not so much for Ryan Toberty. And by the way, I don't get paid anything like what he has been trousering for the last number of years. Also, Ryan Toberty is not a member of RTE staff. He is a contractor. I'm a member of staff at this at this organisation. Tubbery is a, is a contractor. 
and therefore all of his salary is negotiated by his agent. That's another name you'll be reading in your papers this morning, Noel Kenny, Kenny, Kelly, rather, agent to the stars. Noel and his team would negotiate all the salaries. Ryan Tuberty would never talk to anybody about his own salary, but, but, but that's just a by the by. So let's look at the numbers here. And I want to get your thoughts about this because we pay our license fee, those of us who do, I do, pay my license fee every year. Or do you get about 190, is it 190 something million they get from the license fee? Um, and it pays for a lot of different services. Whether it ever pays for the salaries of the likes of Tuberty and Joe Duffy and any more like that, I don't know. Technically speaking, they're supposed to be covering those salaries with sponsorship. But anyway, let us look at the numbers. I know Finn and Mary want to get in on this straight away this Friday morning. And I'd love to hear from you too at 0818 96 96 96, 0833 96 96 96. So in 2022, Ryan Tuberty's salary was disclosed as being 440,000 Euro. That was to cover everything. Radio, late, late show, everything else that he had. 440,000. We were told that in recent years he'd taken a pay cut. And if you go back to 2017, his salary was 492. In 2018, it was 495. Same in 2019. Dropped in 466 in 2020. And to 440 in 2021. These are all the reported figures. But there's a problem because they were wrong. Those figures were wrong. Ryan was getting another 75,000 quid. And this was being paid by a commercial sponsor, which everyone says is Renault because Renault was the sponsor for the Late Late Show. That's just speculation right now because that sponsor hasn't actually been named, but it is believed to be Renault. So Renault were 75,000 euro of what Renault were paying to sponsor the Late Late Show, we will say, was being given as a salary top-up to Ryan Tuberty. So that instead of making 495, I say, instead of making 440 in 2021, he made 515. So, that lasted for a year. And then the commercial sponsor said, actually, you know what? We're, gonna, we're not going to renew that deal. Uh, so we want to continue to sponsor the show or whatever we're sponsoring, but we're not going to divert 75k to anybody's salary anymore. Thank you very much. Didn't renew that deal. So then somebody at RTE decided to do a couple of things. They decided to continue paying that 75,000 euro extra anyway. That was one decision that they made. So Renault weren't going to pay it or any commercial sponsor weren't going to pay it anymore. So RTE decided, well, we're going to pay that anyway. Okay. We're not going to say anything about it. That was the second decision that they made. And we're not going to, we're going to continue to report it as 440. So they never reported the 75,000 when it was coming from a commercial partner. But then when they started to pay it anyway themselves, they still didn't put it into their official report. Now that meant they gave not just you and me and Emer and Fergal and the rest of us, not, they didn't just give us an incorrect figure. 
of 440,000. They gave the government an incorrect figure. Because the government, because of the nature of RTE, the government has to sign off on RTE's annual report every year. So there's been an incorrect figure going into the annual report of RTE for the last number of years for salary paid in fees to Ryan Tuberty. And Ryan Tuberty operates a company called Total, and it's to Total the money would be paid, not directly to Tuberty, but that, that's just the details. So the report given, paid to Total for the last number of years would be 440,000. That figure was untrue. It was incorrect. Incorrect, rather. It was short by tens of thousands. And it seems that over a number of years, the total amount of money misreported is €345,000. Over a number of years, this money has been misreported, not just to you and me, but to the government in RTE's annual report. And someone decided to do this. That, for me, is the bit that screams red flag. I personally don't really care what Ryan Tuberty is paid. At, that at national level, if you're a frontline broadcaster like Ryan Tuberty, like Joe Duffy, like Claire Bourne, like Pat Kenny, like whoever you are, that attracts big money. That's just the truth. That's the fact. It's the way this business works. Those kind of positions attract big money. But we're entitled to know exactly how much is being paid because of the nature of what he Finn, I've tried to sum it up there for people. What do you think? Morning. Um, I think your opening line sums it all up, really, that you're going to be talking later on in the show. Good morning, PJ, about the €1,000 bonus that's not being paid to the health staff yet. And yet RTE can brush this one under the carpet. And it reminds me of the Father Ted saying it was just resting in my account. And the transparency that's not an RTE is blinding. Um, in the sense that they were going on a couple of years ago about how they wanted to increase license fees and increase revenue and the government said no and they were like well we need private funding we need to get more funding in they've got funding coming out their ears but yet they're not giving it like Ryan Turbidy's one hour radio show has four four producers they're not getting the same money I'm sure the journalists aren't getting the same money and if they are getting the same money it's all being declared and it could be anything, as you said, as you, so you rightly said, Ryan Turbidy, not so much as Gay Byrne, was an institution on our televisions for a long time. But overall, RT is not worth the license fee. Overall, it's not worth the electricity turning on RT. And, be, you know, you, you pick one or two shows recently, Kin, brilliant, you know, that mm. kind of stuff. But how this has come out and they've said, oh, and how he didn't know, you know, and as you said, and then all of a sudden, the big red light, oh, I'm getting out of the Late Late Show now. Mm. You know, what? And I'm, only, and I'm only conflating those two in my mind, Finn, and that's important for no, me but to you're, say No, but you're it. not going to be the only one. Population, any population that, that, that has, um, you know, finger on the pulse in this country would be saying the exact same thing. Hang on a second. If he's getting that much money, why is he leaving up the show that's paying that much money? Do you know? Yeah, the, the, the salary was paid or the fee was paid. It's better to call it a fee because it's not really a salary. It's not paid to him. It's paid to his company. But the fee was for everything that, that he does. But Offers. the the other thing that, that kind of raises a red flag, it's, it's RTE would be audited every year. 
we're audited every yeah. year. Every company's audited yeah. every year. And, and numbers are checked. And believe me, when the auditors come in, people sweat. Even if they've done nothing yeah. wrong, people still sweat because yeah. auditors will find tuppence. In, in a budget. Yeah, but it's of, a business and, and, and business yeah. business need to be audited, yeah. otherwise that the business yeah. could but, be wasting money and but, throwing it up into fresh air. But this seventy five grand was moving around in books for the last number of years. Some three clever, and a half years apparently, yeah. yeah. Some clever young fella, we'll say, or young woman, went in and spotted this figure and said, Come here, what's that? What's that? Where's what 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 and to me, Finn if they were topping up his salary with 70000 coming in from a commercial sponsor, I don't care very much about that. What I do care about is that when the commercial sponsor, as is their right, pulled out of that agreement, somebody somewhere in RTE decided, listen, we better continue paying that anyway. Instead of having the gumption to turn around to Toby's company and say, lads, that seventy five grand ain't on the table anymore. Suck it up, buttercup. But it, it's it, like, okay... Ryan Turbling been pulled from his show this morning. You said it was probably the best idea. No, it wasn't. He should have come out and faced it up, uh, because now he's looking the guilty party. Yeah, you know he's he, he's and hiding behind his media company and hiding behind whatever company. They should have put him on the radio. And if he, if he if he hasn't got a case to answer, let him not answer that case. Yeah. But it seems now that that, that by pure hiding from it. Yeah. It's going to come out a lot worse, and he's going to be made a scapegoat. And whoever this troubleshooter is, their life is finished with RT well, because well, somebody in the hierarchy is pocketing money. How it works is, and there are two different types of worker in in many media organisations. So, of the top ten, some of them would be staffers in RTE. So yeah. their their salary is 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 different. With Tuberty, he's a contractor, and all of the negotiation is done by his agent, Noel Kelly. So, all Noel Kelly is told to do is get get me a number. And then he comes back to Tuberty with the number. And by the way, he takes a slice of that as well. So it's different to say someone else's salary, Dobbo's salary, Brian Dobson, he's, he's a staff member. And his salary is negotiated internally. But the thing about it is, incorrect figures have been reported for the last number of years, not just to us, Finn, but to the government. And that to me is, is some, I think, yeah, some, and your I think is, someone has your to go for that. Yeah, but your point also, PJ, is that if if the, if it's if it's not being reported for one, when is it going to come out that oh, X person was getting something, that's, that's B what, person that's was what's getting bothering something? Bothering me this morning. I don't know what the uh, Fergal. Could we pull a list of the the last given top ten? They'd be all household names. You'd know them all, um, and we could we'd know then which one of them contracts to which not. But you're right. Like if it was happening for Tubbs, we're entitled to ask the question: Who else was it happening for? And as I said, the transparency is blinding. Yeah, yeah. The lack of it is blinding people, you know. What do you think? And putting it into the context of the the the, the hundreds of people who still haven't had their COVID payment. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like people who have been on the front line, not hiding behind. I know he did. I know he did his best and whatever. But it, like, there's been so much. The journalists that were out there, you were on the radio, but more so, the, the nurses, the healthcare services, and everybody who was out actually putting their life at risk on the front line, not getting a bonus that was promised them by the government. But yes, this money has been given out, and the government knew about it, or so they say, won't know about it because you'll see what happens in the tribunal now. 
Well, there won't be a thing. Please, God, don't don't have a tribunal because it'll cost us more than anybody else ever. But, sure, but there will be because that's what's going to happen because nobody's going to put their hand up and say, actually, do you yeah. know what? We knew about this. It's yeah. going to go down and somebody somebody in, in the lower tiers and the low, the low eclians of any business is going to roll because of this and they'll all come off looking scot-free. Yeah. To, to, to me, the big... The, 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 the big issue here really isn't the amounts of money involved. It's that an in, if, if, as if, if I was a journalist uh, writing about this I would be looking at an incorrect figure put into a report to the government by a state organisation or a state broadcaster. There you go. And what, what, you what would happen to that state broadcaster, and, you know? Ironically, Terry Prone is writing in the uh, Examiner today where if Primetime discovered that this was happening in a county council, they get a week out of it. Well, yeah, this will be this will be uh, Monday's chip paper. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? All right, thanks, Finn. Right. Anybody else's views? Welcome. Uh, it's it's just, like it's eye-watering money. I mean, three hundred and forty-five thousand paid over to him in extras over a number of years, never declared in the annual report. So a couple of things for me here that make me cross, as it were. I don't care about the salary, realistically, right? But he was getting 75 grand being covered by a commercial sponsor. Then that commercial sponsor decided, as was their right, look, we're not going on with that. We're not going on with that anymore. No, we're not going to do that anymore, right? So then somebody somewhere in RT said, do you know what? We have to promise it now to Ryan. <laughs> we better keep paying it. So instead of going back and saying we need to keep paying this seventy-five to him, they decided not to do that. So they continued to pay the extra money, didn't say anything about it, and continued to put an incorrect figure into the annual report. That salary we heard about as four hundred and forty thousand in twenty twenty-two, four hundred and forty thousand in twenty twenty-one. 406,000, 66,000 in 2020, 495 in 2018 and 2019, and 492 in 2017. All of those figures were incorrect. Incorrect. By tens of thousands of euro. And the incorrect figure is what was reported to us even more importantly, reported back to the government. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Question 10. What chess piece moves first? The pawn. So you actually got 9 out of 10. I'm delighted. I know. And then the one that you obviously had doubts about, uh, what chess piece moves first, the correct answer, unfortunately, is pawn. You've just won 2,000 euros! Boom! Shaka! You can buy a defibrillator now. <laughs> I know, I know. Now that I've won the two grand, everything is great. Lad, you've made my day and my daughter. We're just over the moon. Congratulations. Done. Thank you. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Bye-bye. Cork's 
96 FM. Yeah, there's a list of the top earners. I found an article there during the break. And the top earners, Tuberty, as we know, uh, 440,000 in 2021. Not true. We now know that was considerably more. Joe Duffy uh, was paid 351 in uh, 2021. These figures are always reported a couple of years down the road for commercial reasons. Ray Darcy was paid 305 in 2021. Uh, there was a few more. Claire Bourne, she's now one of their highest paid. She got uh, 282,000 in 2021. No, 350,000 actually in 2021. Miriam O'Callaghan, 320. Brendan O'Connor, uh, 245,000. Now, of those, some would be staff, some would be contractors. Tuberty is a contractor, and that seems to be where the issue arose. He was getting, and by the way, Tuberty's figures are now not true. So, the figures we've been getting for the others where they're contractors, can we believe those figures? We are entitled to ask, can we believe those figures? So to go through Tubbs figures again, from 2017, 492, from 2018, 495, from 2019, 495, 2020, 466, 2021, 440, 2022, 440. None of those figures are true. Mary, how do you feel about that morning? Um, listen, I, I'd be a bit like, what Ryan Tuberty gets paid, no, no matter whether it's, you know, 300, 400, 500, really, I suppose, A, we've no control over it, and B, like, it, it, it's not, you know, worth the money. Like, you'll get anybody, you know, there's nobody with that value that's not replaceable. You know what I mean? I really don't think so. I think you will always get good people to do a good job. Regardless, you know what I mean? The salary is really the defining thing. Now, the real thing with it is I don't think he noticed. Like, I don't blame him for not... I don't think he was guilty of any deception here. This, well, if he didn't notice... Going, this well, if, was going, if, if we accept he didn't notice, hole. his accountant should have noticed. Yeah. But, like, what? It was, you know, it depends on how... Like, he was getting... Okay, half a million. He, 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 we know his salary was over half a million every year during that period. That's on the papers today. They're stating that his actual salary. The, oh, my, yeah, salary I have them. Actually, Mary, Mary, pause there for a yeah. second. Actually, wh- yeah. while, while I'm doing this, lads, we maybe try and clean Mary's line up a tiny little bit because I, I want to continue, but it's breaking up a little for me. So, yes, those reported figures, let's see if we can tidy that up a little bit. The real figure in 2017 was 511. The real figure in 2018 was 545. 2019, 545. 2020, 522. 2021, 515. 2022, 515. So the real figures were considerably more than the figures that were reported, okay. Mary. But, but, but yes, and then as well, the, um, the payment from, well, we'll say when, the rental payment, okay, like that was legitimate, I think, for the first two years, is it? That the, yeah. the deal was in place and he did. So basically what we're talking about, did the, would the accountant have noticed the drop-off when that deal ended? Or You know what I mean? Well, you see, when that deal ended, someone in our team decided to keep it going. Well, yes, but should, sorry, should... So what we're actually asking here, should he or his accountant have noticed that a payment that he was getting legitimately should no longer be coming in? Yeah. 
it's not that should it have ever been coming in. You know what I mean? It's not something he was always getting over the counter that he never expected he was getting. Yeah. And then was that was that only a part of payment for all the other appearances, like all the other stuff he gets outside or she? Yeah, yeah. How, would, how, how do you feel about the fact, though, Mary, you know? the, yeah, the <laughs> fact that, like, a figure... Or is obliged to report every publish oh, an annual that's, report. That's scandalous. Like that kind of creative accounting is just ridiculous in this day. That's all it is. It's creative accounting. There's talk. Like I read the article in the paper this morning. There's talk like that even the original payments, the legitimate when they were legitimately to Ryan Torrey, there was all about these credit notes and this being passed. You know, credit notes to Renault against their sponsorship. Yeah. Like that's all just rubbish. That's creative accounting, and yeah. it's. Well, it will always lead to problems and things getting missed when things aren't done in uh, an above-board manner from day one. That's right. Thank you for making that point, Mary. Your line, not the best, so i leave it there. But thank you. Good, good contribution. Michael, uh, what do you think? Morning. Hello. Hi. Oh, PJ, Michael. Hello. Yes, sorry, sir. Sorry, there was a little, like break, to say? little break in the line there. All right. Well, I was figuring that this would be uh, a point of major discussion which I think is fully and rightly entitled to. So, but look, first of all, let me say that I, I, I to clarify, I'm not a fan of Ryan Turberty, mm. personally. So I would never watch his shows, never listen to his shows. But I would try to look at this a little bit objectively, insofar of, as you have already said, Ryan Turberty is an independent contractor to RTE. Therefore, we must accept that he has the right to, uh, what shall we say, to work interests and to get a, whatever yeah. best deal he can. His agent and, is entitled to negotiate well, whatever I, he can. Either he or somebody else. His, so, his agent, yeah, yeah. So either he or, okay, fine, whichever. But I think the focus should be on those within RTE. Very much Because so. these are the senior people who have misled not only the people of Ireland, but the bureaucracy and our elected representatives and, you know, misled and misrepresented facts. And I think this is a very serious matter because, once again, it's another example of lack of respect for taxpayers' money because this comes out of our pockets. We are the ones who are paying this, and this is not the first time. This is something that's going on for a long time in various areas and various elements, and, and politicians and civil servants are, are very involved protecting each other. And as you know, and I know, all these senior people in the various governments and semi-state bodies move from one chair to another. They are appointed by the governments. Yes. Sorry, by appointed by the government, government ministers, and therefore these government ministers have have a have a, feel they may have a duty to protect these people. Now, the for the current, what uh, what role does she have, Director General, whatever she is on she leave says, right now? She's finishing the job on July. She should 9th. now be brought in immediately, wherever she is. She's on leave. She should be, she should be brought in before the the Dáil Accounts Committee. Yeah. And well, the, the hard questions put to her. And who knows? I mean, there may be some irregularities. There may be some illegal actions here. We don't know. Well, we don't know. know that. We'd have to check that out. But Correct. Michael, it all has to put... Let, it, me, let me put to you, and Macy, do you agree with me? The, the thing that jumps out most to me here actually isn't about Ryan Tuberty. Correct. Himself. I agree with you there. What yeah. jumps out to me here is that one figure was given to us and put in an annual report to the government. And since 2017... The figure given to us and put into the report has been a false figure. Now, don't mind us. Take us out of it, right? But a figure has been given to the government 
in annual reports since 2017, which was a false figure. What do you feel about that? Absolutely. I agree completely. And I would say us are very important because, PJ, for those of us who are paying taxes, this is coming out of our hard-earned money. Money that, that we could be using for something else rather than paying our legitimate taxes. But, well, that's what we all have to do. So you're dead right. I mean, Ryan Turbert himself is just an individual here. And he should not be, personally, I don't believe he should be the focal point of this. The focal point is the individuals in RTE who have negotiated uh, this irregularities in the method of payment and then deliberately misrepresented facts to the Doyle Committee. Yeah. Yeah, and to the government and to the people of Ireland. They're demanding increase in the, in, in the licence fees, which, again, people are struggling to pay, maybe, and most people are paying them, and, and yet they're prepared to do this behind people's backs. Yeah. I mean, it's shameful and disgraceful. And the problem, as you know and I know, that there, there, there is great reluctance to hold people responsible and accountable. And PJ, you have been going through these things on your show and various, and where we won't go into the whole aspects now where lack of account. But you know, the people of Ireland are really fed up, and I think they're reaching a boiling point, PJ. Yeah. They are fed up with what they see going on and the lack of responsibility, the lack of accountability, and the lack of respect for their, their hard earned money. All right, Michael, leave it there and thank you very much. Pat, I might take a break before coming to you if you wouldn't mind. Uh, give me a sec, okay? Thanks. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The Cork Diary. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organization, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Pat, you're gonna say something about the television license just before you do. RTE takes in about 196 million a year from television license payments. In 2021, the numbers I can find for advertising, it made 109 million. And from sponsorship, it made about 11 million. So the most of its money comes from the TV license fee. Pat, what do you want to say? Hi. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you, mate? Uh, who's going to pay the TV license now, PJ? We've already I, paid ours, but I know what you mean. I, I do. Very, very so. And I'd say there's millions of me out there. I'd be very so after that scandal yesterday. Yeah. That actually made the top news yesterday, and I couldn't believe it, over those poor five misfortunate people on the sub- submarine. Do you know what? I'm glad you brought that I up. I absolutely disgusted to see it yesterday, PJ, on, on the main news. The top the top, op- topic was over him, and there was five people perished in the submarine. Yeah. yeah. That is absolutely... And I said to me, mother, I said, there's no way... I'm ever going to pay a bill again after well, that. Well, people are writing, top columnists and people far more qualified to write about it than me are saying this morning, like, who is going to fork out in these tough times when everyone is trying to pay their bills? Who's going to fork out for a, for a, for a, a television licence now? Well, TJ, I, personally speaking, I won't be, and I'd say there's millions of me out there as well. Yeah. Who is going to pay to correct the mess that RTE are in. Yeah. It'll come down to the public. I know it will. I know people will pay it. But I personally, to probably yourself, I wouldn't be paying it. How do you feel about the fact that we were given a figure of 40, 440,000 
when the yeah. real figure was 515. We I were given, it. not only were yeah. we given that figure, but yeah. the government was given that figure. Exactly. And he was told that he, and he came out and said that he talked about reduced payment. Yeah, yeah. I'm not inclined to be overly hard on him here, Pat. PJ, he has to Just, know. Yeah, but and you're right. His accountant surely must have told him. But where where I have a problem here with me, and maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, the the additional payment of seventy five thousand, which was coming from a commercial sponsor, when the commercial sponsor decided we're not going to keep doing that, somebody decided to continue to pay it anyway, to exactly. say nothing about it, and not to report it. PJ, if I saw 75,000 every year, I couldn't give me back to court. Is that the truth? I'd be, I'd, well, I'd, well, you see, I'd he has... A, has a, yes, because a guy like him has to have... He has an agent who does all yeah. this talking for him and takes a handy slice out of it himself. Noel Kelly, exactly. top agent yeah. in the country. I'd love to have him myself, put it that way, but I wouldn't. Exactly. I'm, I'm too much of a small fry <laughs> to have him even bother with me. We're, we're, right? we're only a right? fish in the water. Yeah, I, you know, and, and you're, you're worth, as they say in the business, you're worth whatever Kelly can get for you. And that's yeah. the truth. You're worth whatever Kelly can get for you. But, but Tuberty also would have an accountant who exactly. would probably say to him, come here, Ryan, or should have said, Ryan, there's an extra, there's an extra 75 floating around there. There must and have been PJ, a conversation like that, right? And PJ, when you think of this, he came out on, on RT in March to say he was packing up. The story was packing up, packing up the late late, yeah, packing up the late late, and and they say they didn't know that was coming uh, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how much they're going to pay. Something was certainly up. Also, and, 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 and it, you could be accused of, of, of conspiracy theories. Like yeah. D Forbes was also announced in March that she'd be stepping down in the summer. Pat, thank you. You won't be paying your your television license anytime soon. There's tons and tons and tons of stuff in, lads. Sorry. Uh, here we go. Bernie, I think the days of needing a body like RTE are over. There are so many different ways to get access to information. Surely he could look at the media coverage of his salary. If he says he doesn't look at the media about him to keep his spirits up, then obviously he has someone looking at it for him. Otherwise, the media could accuse him of everything. There has to be a system to look after his reputation, even informally. We don't need RTE. We don't need TV licenses. Everything needs to change. PJ, read Tubbs money. Do you really think Tubbs would have con- contradicted RTE's released figures? That might be a breach of his contract. That's from Jude. Good point, Jude. Good point, Jude. RTE is publishing one figure and his accountant might say, come here, there's more going in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. A great reason for not to pay the TV license. If Tuberty is contractual, he had to sign a contract, correct? So I don't think he's squeaky clean. Yeah. Two separate companies who'd have audits, and also, why wasn't it noticed during tax returns? What would Revenue have to say about this? Please get off Tuberty's case. A really good, honest person. Always was, always will be. This will have a bad effect on Tubbs, because the media are like wolves with zero empathy, delighting in people's misery. They thrive on it. Anyone who doesn't like Tuberty has a very bad judge of character. I never check my wages. I expect around the same amount, usually, so all I ever do is go to the ATM to get cash. Tubbs has plenty of money in the bank, so lots of people who are thankfully far from being on the breadline have no reason to check bank accounts. They just go around knowing they always have enough. 
It's people who are on the breadline or below it are always having to check things. It's an unfortunate, unfair reality. Thank you, Noel. I'm still soaking this in because RT have cut pay to staff over the last number of years. They would appear to have lied to the Public Accounts Committee. And this is only one presenter. How many others had their salary topped up? Who signed off? Who prepared the accounts for the taxman? Is there a tax liability, says Kevin. PJ, didn't Ryan have a contract that said he would get paid for the commercial partner, whether I know or whoever maintained agreement or not? It seems he did, actually. That would seem to be one of the reasons. Yes, that means Archie was liable for payment irrespective. So they had liability for the salary, and this is what should be reported. Yeah, yeah, and th- that's a great point, Sophie. They'd signed a deal, so they were bound to that deal. But when the commercial sponsor pulled out, then maybe it's a case that they should have just said, come here, we can't do that anymore. However, you're right. Creative accounting gone mad. But people being penalised for non-payment of TV licence is hypocritical. Thanks, PJ. If they make that much in advertising, why is the taxpayer giving them funds? Think it's time to sell it off and start a new state channel. Tobody must have known. Why else did he resign, says Martin. PJ, let's not worry about it all with RTE and the payments being made under the table. Knowing RTE, they'll find a way to blame Sinn Féin. Would that extra money have pushed Tuberty and his company into a higher tax bracket, says Jack? The debacle will go down the same road as Bertie Ahern, who never had a bank account. Shiona, Ryan Tuberty was never worth that amount of outrageous money, irrespective of accounts. It hit his bank account. Would you not inquire about it? Fair point. With regard to what he's worth and what he's not worth, or what I'm worth and what I'm not worth, um, Tuberty is, and anyone like him, is worth what his agent can get. That's that's the simple fact of the matter. He's worth what his agent can get for him. Uh, I'm worth what I can negotiate with the company and what the company's willing to give me. I don't have an agent. I hope this doesn't affect his career as I really like him. He was great, even through the pandemic. Pages and pages and pages of stuff. Now, at the top of the programme, I mentioned that in the, in, in the context of all of this money sloshing around between RTE and Ryan Tuberty's account over 345,000 over a number of years you still have a load of people who haven't been paid the COVID payment now in the name of all that is holy this was promised in January of 2022 if I'm correct with the date Michael McGrath, the Minister for Finance, at the time he was Minister of Public Expenditure, Michael McGrath said everybody would get a thousand euro, everybody who'd worked on the front line. That was in January of 2022. This is June of 2023. Contract cleaners were supposed to get this money. Emma, have you got it? Morning. Hi. No, we haven't received our thousand euro grant at all yet. Um, we have been in contact with the company that we work for and there has still been no payment made to some of the staff that work for that company. All the members of the staff have received in different uh, facilities have received 600 euros. I see. So the, and, and you were given to understand you'd be getting it, am I correct? Yes, we, we received an email that we had to fill out and email back. And that was sent to the HSE. Um, and I just feel that, like, being a contract cleaner, that 
came in, worked the whole lot of COVID, yes. worked with COVID patients yes. in the height of COVID when Absolutely. nobody knew what the disease Absolutely. was and was afraid you, to Emma, go Emma, you were as frontline it. as it got. Yes, myself and many more. And we don't feel that we're being recognised as that, that the, they feel the pandemic is over and our use is over with. That's what a lot of the contract cleaners feel. So it's it's very disappointing, yeah. very and, disappointing. And, and even if you did get it now, that thousand euro is not worth what it was worth 18 months ago. No, not at all. Given the cost of not living. Not at all. Yeah. You know, and like we went, we put our family's lives at risk and went to work every day. Personally, I have somebody with a disability. And when COVID broke out in our unit, I had to ring home and find out was it okay to go home? Because I was putting a family member at risk. And there's others like me in the same situation and had to strip in my porch, straight into the shower. Family members were kind of afraid to be around you in case you brought it home. And I feel like the HSE and the government have left, left all the contract cleaners that were in the forefront of the pandemic. And had we not done our job, there would have been a lot more people suffered, died. A lot of the hospitals would have had to close. God, Emma, I'm so sorry. This I'm so sorry. This is happening to you. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. Yeah. And there's other other members of staff that I work with that haven't received it either. You know, and we're questioning why, and why some people working with the company are getting a reduced amount. Yeah. You know, and it, there's no explanation. You can't contact anyone to get an explanation for anything. So it's just all up in the air. If you even got it now, is it worth it to you? Well, it would be nice as a thank you. Yeah. But certainly as the cost of living has gone up so much, it isn't of the value it was no. when it was announced first. No, it's not. Emma, thank you. Thank you. Sorry that this is happening to you. It's outrageous. It was, the, I believe, the 19th of March 2022, if I remember it correctly. Michael McGrath. Um, announced this bonus for all frontline workers. I I asked him about it on air a couple of times, uh, about delays. Many people still hadn't it in August. Many people still didn't have it in October. Many people didn't, still didn't have it in January. Now we learn that there are people who still don't have it in June of 2023, today being the 23rd of June. So one year and four, one 18 months and four days later, Minister Michael McGrath, Emma still doesn't have her money. Where is her money? And what are you doing about it? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96FM. So I was half thinking yesterday as we finished up the programme, we were talking about the submarine, talking yesterday with former Royal Navy submarine captain that today we'll be talking all about the loss of those men 
uh, in that submarine, all five of them, it seems now that the thing imploded and was basically squashed by the sea and that they died instantly. And it seems to have happened sometime on Sunday. Um, so the search was for just looking for, they were looking for wreckage for the last few days and they found it yesterday. And they seem to have died in a split second, as you would. You, they would never even have known it would happen. They'd have seen something that have maybe a second or two warning and then bang, gone. Uh, so at least they, they, they died instantly and they, they didn't even know what was happening. That's a, that's that's a blessing, I guess, for them. Bernie says the loss of life is terrible, but there was no need for those men to go on the submarine. It was an unnecessary journey. You could say that, Bernie, but you could also say that every journey of exploration and voyage of discovery since the beginning of time was unnecessary too but I do take your point I do indeed take your point 0818 96 96 96 let us return though to the story of the morning and once more I will go through the numbers so in 2017 to 2021 RTE was reporting payments to Ryan Tuberty from 2017, 492. From, say, 2019, 495,000. From 2022, 440,000 euro. What we now know is that those figures were incorrect. They were out by a total over that period of time of 345,000 euro. So he was being paid more, considerably more. In one case, there were 75,000 more which was coming in from a commercial sponsor. Then that sponsor decided that they wasn't, didn't want to pay it anymore, so RTE continued to pay it. It would appear they were tied into it through a contract, but they didn't say anything about it, and they continued to report an incorrect figure to us and to the Doyle Public Accounts Committee by way of their annual report. And that's where I want to focus for now. Joined by uh, business journalist and broadcaster Ian Guider of the Business Post. Ian, is there any thought at all that there may have been criminal activity here? I'm only speculating. Morning. Morning, PJ. No, I don't think we're in that realm whatsoever. I think we're in the realm of who knew what and when and also, why on earth did RTE agree to these payments in the first place? So let's separate out some of these figures. I know there's a lot of numbers there and you don't want to bamboozle your listeners with them, but they are important because there's two separate issues. So if you go back to 2019, RTE said, we are in a financial situation where we're struggling a little bit and we recognise that our top 10 broadcasters earn a lot of money by anybody's standards and we want to bring that figure down by around 15%. So in the following months, when they went into negotiations with Ryan Tuberty on his new contract, they decided, well, you are going to have to take a pay cut or a reduction in how much you're paid. But they came up with this arrangement or somebody came up with this arrangement whereby the sponsor or the advertiser would pay Ryan Tuberty €75,000 a year extra on top of his salary. And RTE agreed to this and we didn't know about it. And then, of course, the sponsor, as you said, pulled out and RTE decided we'll pay him the €75,000 in the second year because we had guaranteed it. Now, this was at a time when they were trying to reduce their overall costs. We do know staff and RTE have gone through several rounds of voluntary redundancies. And this was a significant amount of money by anybody's standards and even by RTE standards of paying its highest paid broadcasters. Then it also emerges, and this is the bit that 
is probably more concerning from the organization's point of view. Mm. RTE is a very big company, but how over the years of 2017, 2018 and 2019, did it not declare that over this period of time, he received €120,000 in payments that we didn't know about. Now, this is the bit where I think the board of RTE will have to be really investigating. Yes, it's a large company. It has overall revenues every year. Its income is somewhere in the region of over 300 million euro, but 200 million euro of that figure comes from people who pay their license fees, Mm. so from taxpayers out there. And they are entitled to know that RTE has the systems in place so that they can spot what's going on so that every single cent and euro is accounted for So you have these two payment issues. And as you said, when you add it all up over this period of time, Ryan Tuberty's payments were €345,000 more than we knew about. So that is on the RTE board. That's on the RTE management. And we should be getting more answers from RTE about this than we have right now. What I was also focusing on earlier, Ian, was that, as has been pointed out, RTE is required to produce an annual report every year, which must be signed off of on at the cap at the cabinet table, and the four hundred and forty thousand say that Tuberty was reported to have been paid in twenty twenty one. That was the figure put into the annual report, when in actual fact the figure was significantly different. Yes. So what we don't know right now is whether this is a matter of disclosure to us because RTE published these figures. They hate publishing them. I know all the broadcasters on that top 10 list hate their salaries being out there because they know people out there are looking at RTE and thinking rightly or wrongly, we don't believe you're worth that amount of money. We don't believe in anybody in Irish media is worth that amount of money. So people in RTE don't like having these figures out there. So we don't know yet as to whether they knew when they were putting these figures out there that they were just incorrectly put out there by mistake or by accident, or as to whether somebody in RTE knew, well, actually, that's not how much Ryan Turpity was paid. Actually, he was paid more than that. So how does these figures not get out there? And also, we did have a statement from Ryan Turpity last night saying, well, this is a matter for more, for RTE, it is nothing to do with me. But surely over the last number of years, when he saw these figures coming out, and you read out there some of the years, if you look at 2022, his published earnings were €440,000. The actual figure was €515,000. So surely Ryan Tuberty should have said to somebody in RTE, well, hang on a moment here. Actually, when you add in the other payments that I would have got from the commercial sponsor or that RTE guaranteed, my actual income was much higher than that and we should correct this number. It's not the number that's accurate and we need to have full transparency and disclosure. We don't have answers to these questions yet. There is going to be a meeting early next week between the chairperson of RTE, Shuni Rally, who was just a newly appointed just late last year, and the Minister for for, for tra- Tourism and also the media, Catherine Martin. They will be meeting next week. I would imagine that she will have to give more answers to the government, who of course have to sign off on the accounts, but also so we do have members of the Oireachtas, the Public Accounts Committee, the doll watchdog dog, dog that is responsible for monitoring how public funds are, are, are managed and used. They will be looking to call in RTE executives and ask them these questions too, because we don't have, apart from the statement put out by RTE's board yesterday afternoon and statements from Ryan Tuberty and his agent, we don't have any more information. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is of the top 10 that we mentioned earlier on, some of them are are actual RTE staff, so they don't come into this discussion. But those like Tubbs, 
who are contractors. I'm thinking, for example, of Joe Duffy and, and one or two others like that. It is a question that people will ask this morning, Ian. Well, was he the only one that this was happening for? It's a question that must be answered, isn't it? It is. So on foot of finding out earlier on in March that there was an issue around Ryan Tuberty's disclosed earnings, RTE called in a firm of accountants, Grant Thornton, one of the big accountancy bodies in the state. They were called in to look at all of the other top 10. And while that review was being carried out of Ryan Tuberty, they looked at all the other contracts of the rest of that top 10 and said, while we are carrying out this review, we're not going to have any big changes to these contracts. We're not going to agree to any major pay deals, we'll put them on pause. And the outcome of that review so far is that the the only issue with disclosure was with Ryan Tuberty's payments from RTE. So they have gone through all of those top 10, the household name broadcasters you hear on radio and see on TV. And so far, the only issue that has emerged was with Ryan Tuberty's earnings over that six-year period. I mentioned that you are a business journalist and and broadcaster of many years standing Ian, so as a journalist with your business journalist's hat on you, if I were to give you three questions, are you if you were to give me three questions that you feel need to be answered now, what would they be? I think firstly, as you said, if this was me covering any other company out there, if this was me covering the banks, which I've hauled over the coals for many years for how much they've paid their executives, if this was another company, we would be demanding that the person running the organization is brought in front of the media to answer questions. Right now, the person that is running RTE is Dee Forbes, but she is leaving the organization next month. In fact, right now, she's not working. She is on annual leave. So we really should be having her coming in front of the media and answering questions. Well, did the board know about this? We had the chairperson of RTE tell RTE last night, well, the board went aware of these arrangements with Ryan Tuberty, whereby a sponsor would make up some of these payments. Well, Ryan Tuberty is your biggest star. He is the highest paid person, the most high profile, but also when he was fronting the Late Late Show, it was the biggest audience. Surely the board should have been asking a question, well, what's going on with Ryan Tuberty's contract? Has he agreed to take this pay cut we asked all presenters to take and is he happy about it? So we should have somebody from the RTE board come in front of the media. I think the other questions that we need to know is what's going to happen into the future now with contracts? Because as you said, there are people who are RTE employees and their pay will go up and down depending on how they negotiate directly with their ma- with their line manager. And also you have the issue where there are many people who are paid through RTE from their companies and they have agents negotiating on their behalf. And they, of course, can do outside work if they want to, such as doing chairing events and doing conferences. So we really need to see a bit more transparency around the whole pay process. And I think the wider question here is, and this is something that is impacting not just RTE, but everybody else in the media, yourself down there, all the other media organizations and radio stations is the future for media. RTE may be the biggest broadcaster, but it gets the lion's share of all advertising income in this country through the license fee and through spending by organizations. It's a difficult time for the media industry. RTE has had the begging bowl out for years seeking Mm. either an increase to the license fee or how it's collected or a broadcasting charge saying it is the public service broadcaster of the nation. Well, its reputation today is damaged. Its reputation today is very, very much in doubt because there are going to be many people who say, well, how dare RTE haul me in for a grilling when they can't even get their own house in order? So when it comes to the future of funding for broadcasters in Ireland, RTE just can't stand up and say, we're RTE, give 
give us all of this money. I think other organizations can rightly claim now, well, look, we are doing a service to all our listeners, to all our readers, to all the people who read online or how they consume the media. That question of funding for RTE has to be a broader conversation now about funding all the media and not just RTE. Ian, thanks for addressing uh, those few questions for us this morning. Ian Guider, journalist and broadcaster, business journalist and broadcaster and with the Business Post, which I suspect... Uh, with people like Ian writing for it and indeed new editor uh, Danny McConnell formerly of The Examiner I think it'll be a very interesting read on Sunday to see what else they dig out 0818 96 96 96 uh, Doesn't Ryan Tuberty have to sign off on his own company accounts? asks Helen Yes, I would have thought or at least he employs an accountant to do so and the accountant gives him a final set of accounts and says those are what I'm doing what what we've sorted out that's the account will you sign it yeah he would have an accountant just like he has an agent but you're right you're right Helen Kevin Backhurst the incoming director general was in RTE before he worked there as an acting director general too and he was also head of news outlet I think uh, we need someone with no connections to run the investigation and to devise a new system I don't even watch RTE, says this call. I watch some of the documentaries on BBC. I'm aware, though, they do news and investigative journalism very well. And I benefit from that because it highlights issues that become part of the public debate. And they do. Be fair to RTE, when they decide to dig into something like Primetime Investigates, they do it very well. And let us never, on this kind of dark day for them, let us never take away from the fact that when they do something well like that, they do it very well. I think RTE should be paid for breaking Irish news and for investigative reporting, and that should be paid for out of the income tax. Nothing else should be paid for. I blame the auditors for not copping onto this problem. It's their job to see if there are discrepancies in wages and stuff. They're the ones who made the mistake, so sack them as well. Yeah, and a few people just saying that, you know, Tuberty isn't worth this and no one's worth that kind of money and this and that and the other, whatever. There's people who say I'm not worth my salary, thankfully, because this is a commercial organisation. My salary is nobody's business except me and my employer. But you're worth, in, it, it's a media thing. I remember last year when the numbers came out about how much, oh, how much, what's his name, the footballer was being played, uh, was being paid at, at for match of the day. Um, Oh God, his name's got my head. Uh, but he, the answer was, he's as worth what his agent can get for him. And that's the thing in media and broadcasting. You're worth what your agent can get for you. And if your agent can get you half a million, you're worth a half a million. If your agent can only get you 100,000, you're only worth 100,000. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox96FM. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Antoinette is wondering what's the bet that D Forbes won't be back from annual leave. Well, she's due to finish up in July anyway. Antoinette, uh, she will be the former Director General by about the 10th of July when Kevin Backhurst takes up the gig. But yeah, she's on annual leave at the moment. 0818 96 96 96. Let us revisit something that was a breaking story this time yesterday from UCC. Could I just say, first of all, I grew up in this city and I learned about freedom of speech and democracy in this university and above all and above all Morgan, Morgan, Morgan please you had your platform you have said what you've had to say I would respectfully yeah I would no but I also say, I think the most undemocratic thing you can do is try and shut down debate, and that's what you're trying to do here this morning. You are trying to shut down debate. You're behaving in a manner. You're behaving in a manner that's intolerant of the freedom of speech. You don't want the low order views to come forward. What you are saying is debate on your terms and on nobody else's terms. But that's not what we're going to do today. We're going to debate these issues. And I want to thank the majority of people who are here today who are, and all of those who are following proceedings online and those who have made written submissions. Because this is the first time that our country has ever embarked on a national conversation of this kind and your willingness to engage is the parameter of its success. Dominic, Dominic Carroll is from the Cork Neutrality League. Dominic, you were there yesterday. Where Was I hearing your voice raised in that exchange? Good morning. Oh, good morning, PJ. Uh, yes, I'm representing the Cork Neutrality League. Um, I tried to raise a point of order at the very beginning of the session. Uh, we wanted to query why it was that the forum was unfairly weighted towards supporters of increased militarization. And we were basically calling on the chair to redress the imbalance, uh, to ensure a fair and balanced debate at every session of the forum. Um, well, as I say, I raised it as a point of order, but um, Michal Martin himself ruled it out. He said he wouldn't be taking any points of order, which was most irregular, since he wasn't actually chairing the forum. He was only speaking at it. The rule chair, Dame Louise Richardson, refused to take responsibility did, for the situation. Did, did, the, did the claw, as it were, of the, of the event contain provision for point of order? 
Uh, well, it's, it's not known. There doesn't seem to be um, any published protocol for how this um, forum will, will run. So, so who effectively, knows? point of order didn't exist. Well, we don't know, because what I asked was for the chair to adjudicate on that. Uh, instead, as I say, she wouldn't take responsibility. Behold, Martin essentially tried to chair his own session. I did address um, Dame Louise Richardson. She was sitting in the front row. I said, will you take a point of order? And she simply ignored me. Mm. Now, others also tried to raise points of order, in, including um, Councillor Lorna Bogue, and she was escorted from the premises. Mm. We interesting to know if there was a provision in the setup of the event for a point of order to be raised. Cause if there well, it should have been, shouldn't there? Because that's how all um, meetings are conducted. You, you can go to the local GAA meeting and, and raise a point of order. Yeah, but the like. local GAA club would have a, a, a defi- a, more, more importantly, a local authority like a county council or city council that would have a constitutional list of rules and regs under which you can raise a point of order or standing order. Like, would there have been standing orders for yesterday's event? Well, who knows, but without them, then it would just be a freestyle kind of uh, forum without, without rules or orders. But I, I don't think it's the, the key point, obviously. Um, I, I think the, the actual content of our point of order was, was far more significant. And we, we, had, uh, we, had, we had several points of order, actually, that we intended to raise during the course of the day. Yeah, I, I take it that, and I haven't seen the claw, but I, I take it that at the end of every step of the event, there would have been the matter thrown open to the floor. Why, why would you not have waited until the matter was thrown open to the floor, then raise your point and make it Because at the very beginning of the, the forum, we felt that this issue had to be addressed, the fact of imbalance. There was no point waiting halfway through to say, well, look, this is imbalance. This thing shouldn't have proceeded until the imbalance had been that point of order at that moment. The imbalance is a matter of your opinion. Well, it's not, is it? One can I, I don't agree or disagree with it, by the way. The imbalance is a matter of your opinion. Well, I don't think so, because I can give you an example, for instance, that there's going to be one session on NATO's uh, partnership, uh, sorry, Ireland's in, involvement in NATO's partnership for peace. There are only three speakers built to uh, speak on the platform. Two of them work for NATO, so we know they support it, and the third has, uh, has also expressed his support for that arrangement. That's a completely imbalanced debate. Mm-hmm. That's what, just one example. You can look at others and you can uh, easily... We've, we've, we have researched the, the backgrounds and uh, the writings of the speakers that have been invited and it's been determined that it's weighted five to one in favour of advocates for further integration uh, of, into NATO. Government have said repeatedly... Now, look, governments say a lot of things. I know that. I accept that. Government has said repeatedly there's no intention here of joining NATO. We'll never be, we won't be joining NATO. Yes, well, um, I think uh, they've been forced onto the back foot. They've said all sorts of things in the last um, week that really can't be taken too seriously, including the fact that neutrality is not going. And yet a year ago, behold, Martin uh, insisted that neutrality had to be revisited, that they would do that by way of a citizens' assembly. Of course, that didn't happen. Uh, a year later, because of the pressure that's been brought to bear, because of the fact that the polls keep showing a majority of people in favour of neutrality, they yeah. have been forced onto the back foot. But one, you know, well, one, they, have, but they have said repeatedly, and it's it's, it's worth it's worth stating it, Dominic. They have said repeatedly that there are no intention on behalf of this government. To, to have us joining NATO. I don't want to get too bogged down in the, in the technicalities of it anyway, but my last question to you, Dominic, were those scenes acceptable? 
well, I can understand why, for instance, uh, the, the young people there who unfurled a banner and read out their statements and uh, were obviously um, very irate about um, what was going on. I can understand why it was that they felt that they, they, they needed to be heard, that it had no other way, I guess, of, of expressing their opposition, not just to the conduct of the forum, but also about this slide towards uh, militarism and away from neutrality. As was said afterwards, that they were, they were the youngest people at that forum yesterday. They were the ones most likely to be uh, affected by, for instance, conscription were it ever to be induced, uh, introduced, you know, on foot of a, the formation that ever likely to be army. Well, because there's an, there is an evolving EU army. And at some point, um, you know, if, if this slide to war continues, and there is a slide to war at the moment, and we know what it is, it's a slide to war between the Western Alliance and China. Yeah. Uh, and when you mention it, something like conscription to European army, Dominic, and it's, it's not the, you're not the first person to mention it, and you won't be the last, but when you mention conscription to European army, I am bound to say that is scaremongering. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, it's scary. I don't know about scaremongering. Uh, time well, of out. course it's scaremongering, because well, you're, you're putting a scary scenario in front of people that you have absolutely no evidence that it's going to happen. Well, you know, one does have to sound the alarm. And as you said a moment ago when I was um, querying the, the, for, the composition of the forum, you said, it's just your opinion. And equally, that's just your opinion that I'm scaremongering. I think that is a scary sounding of the alarm, and only time will tell. Okay, we'll see. Dominic, thank you very much. As I say, I have no particular... Just a personal thing. I have no particular stance on neutrality. I like the fact that we're neutral. I don't personally think I benefit from it in any way that we're neutral. That's just me. And if we lost our neutrality or give up our neutrality tomorrow, I'm wondering how my life might benefit or not from doing that. But at the same time, I do understand it means an awful lot to an awful lot of people. Owen. Speaking. How's it going? Good morning, sir. Those scenes yesterday, acceptable? Well, they're a sign of how healthy our democracy is. If we were a militarized society like China or Russia or even America or the UK, I don't think that people treating our Prime Minister would be tolerated like that. They certainly wouldn't be welcomed down to the airwaves the following day, you know. Mm. I think your point about scaremongering is very valid. I mean, anyone who's ever been in the Irish Defence Forces and is listening would assure you that no government has ever spent money on the Irish Defence Forces. You just have to have a walk around Collins's or go up to the Cora and see the downsizing. Mm-hmm. And the shocking pay. And the shocking pay. We actually had the Irish government adjudicated there about five years ago, and Irish soldiers are owed years of back pay, mm-hmm. and the Irish government has refused to pay it. And should we join NATO we'd be obliged to spend 2% of national GDP on the military. Yeah. Do, do you think ju- we ever will, Owen? Do you think it's ever going to happen? No. Not you- a hope. No. There is no Irish government that ever trusted the military enough to spend money on them. You'll be trying to drag a few thousand rounds out of them there for a company, shoot for a competition, and you couldn't get it. Like, there'd be fellas like Mike Owens who left... The, Kevin Owens who left the Irish military 
and he joined the American military and he did a glorious career. And he actually had a billion dollar budget in America and he'd be struggling to get a new poncho in the Irish Army. So <laughs> for the new Irish and you can Google him, Kevin yeah, Owen. No, no, I, I know, I've, I've heard the name. So you yeah. say, Owen, that what happened yesterday, whether we like it or not, is a sign of a healthy democracy in which one can make a protest, no matter how loud or distasteful it might be. Um, but you say, Dominic, you would you would agree that Dom- Dominic, what some of what Dominic says, is scaremongering? Would you think? I would. Yeah. I think a lot of the new Irish like. Poles and Slovakians and the rest of them who come from countries that have national service and big armies and large budgets, they have a completely different knowledge of military compared to what's happening in Irish. We're actually 1,500 under strength at the moment and we can't get... And last, we can't get them because the pay is shocking. Lastly, Owen, uh, I mentioned before I brought you on about my particular take on neutrality. It's nice that it's there, um, but but I'm wondering if I'd be too bothered if it were done away with. What's your own feeling? Oh, I think it's important to hang on to it. Very important to hang on to Would it. Would it affect you personally, say, or your family? No, because... Uh, traditionally, Irish military families haven't just served in Ireland at all. Or the Irish had two regiments in the French Army, two regiments in the American Army, mm. British Army. There's Irishmen now fighting in Australia, for Australia, Canada, the USA, France. I don't think it'd make any difference, mm. but if we were in a NATO country or in Allied, that would make a difference for Irishmen to enjoy a military career abroad, yeah. where their service would be valued. I suppose, to be fair, if we were, if we did do away with the neutrality, it would impact us all if we if we had to go to war. I've always said, though, the next war, a nuclear weapon and the fallout from nuclear explosions, they don't see a sign over the top of Ireland going, this is neutral, don't shower your radiation here. Just mean... That's the reality of it. Crackpots. Like, Iran will be the next one out to have the nuclear weapon, and they've just recently announced that they have a new missile that they can reach the EU with from Syria. They have a huge army in Syria at the moment, and they can actually hit parts of the EU with their new missiles. Mm. So I think China is a red herring, and I think that for Europe is going to is going to be much, much closer to home than China. But we've nothing to gain. We're an island nation. And for us to ramp up and become militarized with a large air force and a navy, it'll be unsustainable. Okay. Our, our future is as a neutral country. All right. Owen, thank you. Owen, 1896, 1996, 96. Yeah, I, I, I imagine I'd know the difference if we weren't neutral all of a sudden and we were dragged into war. That, that is true. But then the other side is uh, nuclear missiles or anything that comes from them when they explode. Well, that ain't going to obey a sign over Ireland going, please don't stop here because we're neutral. Do you know? That's... that's. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You can't have it all one way. They were right to heckle. It's okay for Michal Martin to shout people down. But not the other way around. What about Gaddy throwing people out rather brutally? Typical PJ, take the side of the government. We're not neutral. American troops landing in Shannon, says John. I'm not 
taking anybody's side here, John. They're not taking the, particularly the side of the government. I just found the whole thing a little bit distasteful, uh, to be truthful. There's no such thing as an EU army. This kind of talk is why I can't take people like Dominic seriously, says Kevin. PJ, military service is compulsory in many European countries, and it works well. Ireland is not neutral. We do not have a defence force capable of defending that neutrality, says Kean. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. To protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96 FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Ours to Protect, we discuss the European Union's upcoming nature restoration law, which will face a vote next Tuesday in Brussels. We're talking with MEP for Ireland South, Grace O'Sullivan of the Green Party, about what such a legislation would look like for Ireland. So the nature restoration law is a piece of legislation which is really about restoring degraded habitats and ecosystems right across the 27 member states of the European Union. The law proposes to restore 20% of all the EU's land and sea areas by 2030 with the aim of repairing all ecosystems that need a little bit of tenderness by 2050. It's the first time the EU has made such a stride to recover biodiversity at this critical time for our planet's health. Legislation aside, there are lots of things you can do to give nature a head start in your home, from creating a little no-mo zone in your garden for flora and fauna, to having a compost heap to replenish your soil. There's lots we can do on the ground outside of the political sphere. However, in recent weeks, there's been concern expressed by farmers, fisher people and communities that the law might erode their rights when it comes to the work. Over the last month, public meetings have been held to discuss the anxieties around the law and make the legislation more clear to the public. MEP O'Sullivan with more. I would say that uh, firstly um, we have international obligations so it's really important that we meet those and the nature restoration law will help us to meet our climate targets and our uh, biodiversity agreements that we have um, uh, international commitments to. I would say to farmers, to landowners, to to fishermen, to communities around Ireland, that really this is a very comprehensive piece of legislation. It covers marine, it covers lakes, freshwater systems, rivers, covers uh, urban centres, it covers um, the uh, farmlands and that. And that it Really, there's nothing to fear about this legislation because very much uh, groups like the Green Group in the European Parliament, we're looking at how can we restore habitats, ensure that um, we do so in a a fair and a just way and that there is consultation process that's built into the legislation as it currently stands. It's still in draft form, but that uh, really it is uh, in in cooperation uh, with communities, with farmers, with landowners, with fishers, with everyone um, that we're embarking on this legislation. Now, there has been a huge amount of false disinformation around this legislation. Most of them, I think, have been put to bed. So there was things like there wasn't an environmental impact assessment. Yes, there was. There wasn't consultation with people in order to produce that impact assessment report. Yes, there was consultation process. Uh, Land would be uh, literally grabbed from farmers, CPO'd. That was absolutely false information. So there was a lot of, of disinformation and that caused a lot of angst and fear. 
The legislation strives to help biodiversity and tackle the climate crisis head on from improving the health and safety of our communities, as well as boosting local economies through sustainable food practices. However, in the event that the law does not pass, we asked MEP O'Sullivan about the repercussions. Very quickly, tell me what will happen if we don't pass this law? What does it mean for nature in the future? If this law uh, doesn't pass, it means that we are uh, going to be on very much on the back foot. We're going to see the complete decline of biodiversity in the European Union in years to come. It means we will see a decline in pollinators. We will see declines in birds, in butterflies. We will... Uh, as a result of that, see a decline in our food systems. So this is a real, real huge issue. And uh, it also means we will not be able to reach our climate targets because we need these healthy habitats and ecosystems to uh, help us to mitigate and adapt to climate change. Europe can often feel far away in terms of the impact citizens can have on policy. However, the subject of the environment has never been closer to us. We ask MEP O'Sullivan how people can engage with their MEPs on this issue and others going forward. The strongest measure that anyone can take is to uh, to. Uh, put pressure on their members of the European Parliament from their area here in Ireland South and across uh, uh, the other constituencies in Ireland. Um, so it's really important to uh, to really stand up and, and, and shout and scream about this because uh, this if this doesn't happen, we're not going to have the opportunity to restore nature and we must do that. This week we discussed the nature restoration law in the European Parliament. We also discussed the importance of restoring nature and what you can do to play your part. You can find out more information about this topic by visiting the show notes of this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Thank you for that. I couple more bits and pieces coming in about uh, Ryan Tuberty and the whole story of the money that he was being paid. Considerably more money than we were being told he was being paid. You don't need to be going through the numbers again, but between 2017 and last year, he received an additional €345,000 that we were never told about. And it seems no one else was told about it either within RTE and people saying to me this morning, I'm never paying my licence fee again. If you wondered how much money that RTE get from the licence fee, they got 196 million in 2022. Out of advertising, they made another 109 million and sponsorship, the kind of thing that sponsors Late Late Show, sponsors any kind of programme, any programme that's got a sponsored buy comes in, that makes 11 million a year for RTE. So they've got nearly 300 million coming in, but you and I, through our licence fee, are paying the very, very most of it. Like, yeah, 0818969696. A lot of people, a lot of people concerned about it. In the 1970s, PJ, we had a black and white TV. We saved and saved and then bought a colour TV. We had a TV licence, but there was a short lapse in time between us transferring over the licence from a black and white one to a colour one. Yes, there was such a thing as a black and white and colour licence. Murphy's Law, within that time, the licence fee man called and fined us £20, which was huge. £20 in the 70s was colossal money. As you can imagine, my blood boiled 
when this story broke yesterday. I still pay my licence fee, but it really did annoy me when I heard about this €350,000. Yeah, there used to be a thing called a monochrome licence and a colour licence. I don't remember what the difference in it was. It was only a few pounds back in the day. But go back even further into your history. No, I don't remember it. I'm, <laughs> there's a few things I'm too young for still. There was radio licences. You actually had to have a licence to listen to the radio in this country at one time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It's, 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 it's the truth. It really is the truth. We had fabulous news during the week from Ashley Lynch, who I spoke to during Radiothon about her breast cancer journey, and she was waiting on treatment. And we'll hear again from Ashling in the last hour today because she's had some most wonderful, wonderful news. That and plenty more coming. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Mentioned uh, before the news that tonight is Bonner Night. It's, uh, I think it's purely Cork. I do they do anything in Dublin on the 23rd of June? I don't think they do. There are other bonfire nights, but Bana Night is pure cork. And over the years, it has changed. We used to go out on a Bana Night in the car when the kids were small. And we'd drive around. And you knew where to go without mentioning anywhere in particular. You knew where to go to see the Bonas. And you'd park the car and you'd stand well back and you'd watch what was going on. Um, and over the years, people tried to regulate it because bonners got out of hand. There was people bringing the content of their bins, old sofas, old fridges. It, 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 it did really get fairly out. And there was antisocial behaviour and there could be violence. And I remember reporting on stones being thrown at the fire service. And it just turned nasty. A few years ago, the... City Council decided that they would set up their own events. So they're dotted across the city. They're family nights and there's no drink. Uh, and they're properly, professionally built bonfires and they're supervised in the burning of them. So there's no more fridges and no more sofas and no more bags of rubbish going into them. It doesn't solve all of the problems. There will be illegal bonfires tonight, but the hope is that they'll be kept to a minimum. Uh, former Lord Mayor, uh, Colm Callagher, Colm, uh, Ballincollig itself is a place where you represent. They've had their own antisocial behaviour issues over the last few months and years. You'd be hoping that there'll be none tonight. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Very yeah, good. look, I suppose, like, I suppose like any other area in the city, there's, you know, there's, there's a few bad apples um, and the majority of estates around the southwest local electoral area and the majority of estates around Cork City, um, you know, 365 days of the year, there's, there's 90% of, I suppose, social conformity. There's no 
antisocial behaviour and kind of regular occurrence, I suppose it is. The isolated incidents that do get highlighted in the media and, you know, they can, they and rightly so, they do need to be called out and highlighted. Um, but, uh, you know, like like Ballancolic, like any other area, we have, we've had our, you know, isolated incidents of, of, of antisocial behaviour below in the regional park, below in, in, in housing estates. Um, you did mention there that Bonfire Night traditionally, you know, the 23rd of June, um, a great, a great night. It was a kind of a family orientated night. I can remember as a young fella in in Ballincollig, Rosewood would have a bonfire. Uh, Castle Park would have a bonfire. Mm. Musgrave would have a bonfire, and we all we, we all kind of roamed between all of them, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but that's kind of changed now. Um, like I know that there's there's no bonfires in Rosewood anymore, and there's no bonfires in, in Musgrave anymore. No, they are, I suppose, mature estates, and. Um, we, we, there's kind of an elderly uh, demographically living in those estates now um, but um, they'd be terrified no, by a bonfire column to be fair probably terrified by a bonfire you're right PJ but look you did you did touch on it there Cork City Council a number of years ago launched non-fire night um, where you know they've they would go across uh, communities in the north side of the city and the south side of the city and uh, they'd hold basically a kind of uh, a family orientated uh, festival yeah. with, with and um, Colm, did they fire. do did they do away with fires at those events? They did. I suppose originally there was controlled bonfires. Yeah, and, I, know, I remember that. I don't remember. I remember. I remember Dara Murphy when he was Lord Mayor was inclined to to, to want to ban bonfires uh, completely, mm-hmm. but. But Look, PJ, there's there's bonfire nights, is or bon as it's known in the city here. And you, you touched on it. Do they have it in Dublin? I don't know. I can always remember of a young fella as a young fella around the city. It was probably the worst night in the year for for both city and county fire services. Um, you know, but it has. I suppose dissipated massively mm. in the last number of years through initiatives like Cork City Council. They initially had controlled bonfires uh, with, with fire service on site and Gardaí on site. Now we don't have the bon- the actual bonfire. We promote, promote it as a non-fire night. Um, when I was Lord Mayor, they had great nights above the cabin up in uh, Knocknahini, you know, down in the the fields below yeah. in Mahin. Um, in Clashdove Park and Toker and Bouncy Castles, and, you know, Tug of War, Giant Connect Four, great yeah, night. Oh, great fun, know. great fun, no fire. But I can remember, and I'm sure you can too, Colin, when we're growing up, this time for the, about the last week and a half, there have been huge bonfires getting built around the city, north and south side. I can remember. It was. A very, I suppose, smaller version of the twelfth up, twelfth of July up to the heart. They'd be stockpiling stuff for for weeks before. And there, would, you know, there wouldn't be a pallet picture. safe. There wouldn't be a there bit of timber be a safe from my broken chair or door and look I throw my hands up as a young fellow I did it myself in Rosewood you and me both man but But here's the thing was there any realistically was there any harm in it for the most part there wasn't PJ back then like back then in Rosewood take for my bailiwick like you know we have it every year we'd be stockpiling residents and you know my mother and my father and my neighbours and stuff like that if they had any stuff they wanted to get rid of it was all down the field and you know there was a big family night down there the, the fire was lit there was adults there there was supervised people there there was minimal drinking but underage drinking and if it was it wasn't anywhere near the bonfires um, but it kind of I suppose it, it, 
I'm talking of the mid nineties, PJ. Like you know what I mean. So it's it's a number of years ago. Like, but you know, I suppose after that, and the city council brought this non-fire night initially through the control bonfires, and then non-fire night, it did get out of hand. And there was, we can all remember plumes of yeah. black smoke on different points in the city ah, yeah. on this day over the years. You know, um, now tonight is uh, the weather isn't with us. Um, and you know it's it, it, it'll probably put a dampener on things but um, look I would just be asking anyone if they are going if there is a bonfire there and they are going um, it is a tradition you know what I mean um, and you know some traditions you know may may not I suppose you know conform with today's normal but mm-hmm. um, it is a tradition and I think majority, by tonight it'll be okay actually the weather will be okay yeah. Look, you know, there, there, there you go. So, look, anyone that is going to a fire, just, you know, be aware that it is it, 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 exactly what it is. It's a fire. It can hurt you. It can get out of hand fairly quickly and just, just be respectful to it, same as anyone would be respectful to water if they were on the water, you know? Uh, yeah. You, you, you don't have one of these community nights in Ballancolic and you want one. So, look, we, we really haven't had a spate of bonfires out here in a number of years, to be quite honest with you, uh, PJ. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't have the same issue out here with illegal fires that they would have in other parts of the city. Um, but I definitely want something along the lines of what they have in Clashtoot Park and above in the cabin in the north side for Nocknahini, a community-orientated night for the family, for the smallies, maybe down the regional park with bouncy castles, tug-of-war, ice cream vans, you know, as I said, Giant Connect 4, um, you know, I know we're all very proud to be from Cork, but I'm I'm very proud to be from Ballancolic. And um, you know, I, I I want what other parts of the city have on non-fire night. So yeah, I would I would hope that next year does it, it would be coming out here. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, okay. as part of a new expanded city, okay. and it'd be a family fun night for all all the residents of of Ballancolic, possibly down the regional park. Hopefully. Okay. Okay. Leave it there, Carl. I think I'd like, I'd like, I had a list, but I've lost it. I'm always losing stuff. I had, a, <laughs> I had a list of where the non-fire nights are on tonight. Do you have it? Do you have it off the top of your head, Colm? I think you, 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 a number of things. You, you, I think you were going to compliment the Lord Mayor on what a great year she had, and that she, she was leaving office this evening. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, no, uh, look, uh, PJ, I, uh, we do. It is bonfire night, but we do have our annual general meeting tonight, and we will be electing a new Lord Mayor. And you know, as uh, I've I've sat in that chair, I've I've you know I've been that soldier, and it is a very very tough job, and you are tired when you come towards the end of it. So I just want to thank the Lord Mayor for all the work she's done for our city for the last twelve months. And, um, you know, I wish the incoming Lord Mayor the very best. Um, very difficult uh, uh, job, especially in a, an election year that we're going to have next year to try to juggle both both jobs. Um, and whoever it may be, I wish him the very best of luck. Okay. But to dear Dreddy outgoing Lord Mayor, um, thank you for what you've done for our city and uh, enjoy the break. Cheers, Colin. Thank you for that, Colin Kelleher. Yeah, those six, I get the list, the list I had, but I've lost, of where those events are on tonight. The the new Lord Mayor will be, will be Kieran McCarthy won't it? I know he has to say whoever it'll be, but it'll be Kieran McCarthy the Independent um, for the next 12 months and Deirdre Ford outgoing um, and yeah, we, we've we've had great uh, input from Deirdre Ford's office during the course of the year and on behalf of the programme I'd like to thank her and everyone in the office and we look forward to working with the next Lord Mayor of Cork when he is elected tonight as we always work with the Lord Mayor of Cork. The bonfires, St John's Eve, I think is the correct name for Bonner Night. They used to mark midsummer for the Celts in pre-Christian time, says Tom. You're right, Tom. They didn't, no, I'm sure 
the people who had the great big bonnets over the years didn't care too much about the Celts in pre-Christian time. Everyone has a bonfire story because most of it just passed off harmlessly. Yeah, it got out of hand from time to time, but sometimes it was harmless. My missus tells a story of the famous couch. There used to be a bonfire back where Lidl is now in Toker. Used to be the the VG and the Five Star over the years. You know, and back of the Five Star, there was a green. And people used to put a bonfire on the green. And a big bonfire on the green behind the Five Star, which is now where Lidl sits in, in Toker. And people would come out and they'd be around there with their kids and big bonfire and be, they'd be flipping tires and everything inside the damn thing, which they shouldn't have been. But people used to bring out their own chairs. They'd bring out deck chairs. And there was a story told. And I think the woman's name was Stella. I might be wrong on the name. But Stella... Stella was after getting a new couch. And Stella brought... Stella brought the couch out so that herself and the husband could watch the bonfire. So they brought it out. It hadn't been brought into the house yet. It was still in... they brought it out to watch the bonfire and then they left it there they left it unattended and it got put on the bonfire there must be bonfire stories there must be great bonfire stories of all, there used to be a bonfire up behind me up in the, the field in, in Beaumont years ago and you have a big 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 crowd at that and they, where was there, let's do this because it's Friday can you remember where the best bonnet was? And I know that there was trouble at some of them. Let's not talk about trouble. Let's talk about the fun we used to have and the divilment we got up to and the harmless old fooling around that we did. And please don't be giving me smoke and clouds and green and all that nonsense. Let's have a bit of fun. What's your bonfire memory? The bonfire you used to go to, the fun you used to have at it. 0818-96-96-96 classics, music from the 80s, 90s, noughties and more, plus the DJ on the night and the event will be raising funds for Killa Mockra Club. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Those six alcohol-free events, non-fire night, they're in Nocknahini, in Mahan, Mayfield, Toker, Barronry and the Glen, organised by Cork City Council. We know that there will be bonfires set up elsewhere the 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 appeal is that you take it easy and only erect a bonfire where it's safe to do so please don't engage in antisocial behaviour and all of that if you want to have a bonfire you'll have a bonfire no one can force you not to have a bonfire but please do it carefully and let us not have anything nasty or anything unfortunate to be reporting on Monday morning and good luck to you with it Speaking of bonfires and fires, <laughs> there was a laugh going on there because of who I'm going to talk to next, but there was a band in Cork years ago called Burning Embers. There was, and a bloody good band they were too. I used to gig with them as a DJ. 
There was another band called Ruby Horse. A very successful band. And the drummer in both of those bands was a chap called Gordon Ash. I know, Ember's burning bonfire. Gordon Ash. Gordon Ash now lives in Rhode Island in the US of A and has done for quite a number of years. But Gordon uh, was talking about this, and coming back to fires again, do you remember that massive smoke cloud from the Canadian bonfires, the Canadian forest fires? And I think those Canadian forest fires are still burning. At least they were up to a couple of days ago, still burning. Gordon, they are. Gordon has been able to see the evidence of those fires which are burning in Canada He's been able to see evidence in Rhode Island, of all places. Morning, Gordon. Good morning, PJ. Hello, Cork. <laughs> it's been a while since I heard your voice, my friend. It's it's. I will talk more about Morning Embers and and Ruby Horse a bit later. But the last time I looked, Rhode Island is nearly a thousand miles from the Canadian border. You saw this smoke cloud. Yeah. Well, first of all, PJ, it's global warming. That's yeah. what's going on. You know, people can kind of choose to deny that it's happening. That's where that's irrelevant. It's happening. There were there were basically eleven million acres of Canada on fire. Eleven million acres. Wow. That that was basically a total of like there was like four hundred fires, all burning full throttle at once, and then. I'm, as you say, like, um, I'm in the northeastern U.S. I'm in Newport, Rhode Island. For new, for people in Cork, Newport is kind of like think Kinsale, basically. And I'm about a 1,000 kilometers south of where the fires were actually taking place in Canada. But what happened was the wind caught the smoke and pushed it south. And then it, um, we we saw it here in Rhode Island, and we really felt it. But I think PJ people like because New York City is New York City; it's such a landmark. I think people maybe back in Cork and back in Ireland around the world were seeing pictures of New York City. Yeah. And long story short, PJ, the the air quality in New York City. During the week, there was a couple of days where they basically said it was the worst air quality on record. So, yeah, it was like basically 11 million acres on, on fire in Canada. The wind was catching it and pushing it so down, down here into the northeast. The area of Ireland, Gordon, in acres, just for the, the trivia buffs among us, the area of Ireland in acres is 20.8 million. So you're saying right. half of the area, an area half the size of Ireland, was burning? Yes, I am. 11 million acres. They're the stats. 400 fires, PJ. <sighs> wow. And are they under control now? You know, they're, they're doing their best. But when, 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 you're, when you're faced with something that enormous, there's an element of no matter what the authorities are trying to do, PJ, you're, you're kind of hanging on by the skin of your teeth and you're... You're at the mercy of the wind, the weather, and the whole lot. I would not say it's under control. And, you know, I don't want to be pessimistic. I try to be realistic. But, like, climate scientists are saying that, you know, you know it, sounds so, it sounds so dark, PJ, but 
that it's only going to get worse. Mm. This is only the kind of like the start of it, if you like. The the climate scientists are saying that, you know, it's kind of a shape of things to come, unfortunately. What was it like? I mean, we saw, like you said, the pictures from New York and it was like twilight in the middle of the day. What was it like where you were? Yes. It it wasn't too bad. We're right on um we're right on the water, PJ. So we were catching some of the wind and that it was kind of maybe blowing it out. I mean, you can still kind of like um you could still kind of see like when I was driving and things like that. You could see that the air, you know, it wasn't as like drastic as you know day turned into night or anything, yeah. but. It kind of looked, it was like it, was, it looked like that there was a, a very, there was a pretty thick fog, PJ, you know? Yeah, that's what it looked like. All right, in, in New York, and I have a, a, a pal who lives in New Jersey, and he sent me a picture, and he, like it, it was like twilight in the middle of the day. It was really, really weird, really scary. Gordon, you're out there a long time, my friend. You're there since what, 97, you said, uh, with Ruby Horse? That's right. I came over with the lads with Ruby Horse in 1997 and they're basically PJ my life. <clears throat> the way my life path went, I ended up staying here. I am married to an American woman and I have a nine-year-old little boy, Fionn, who's as wild as an acre of garlic, PJ. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, but my, my life is over here now, PJ. You're still in the music game? I am. I started work doing, I started basically doing some live shows with a couple of bands. Uh, one of them was kind of a Pink Floyd tribute band. Mm. But shortly after I started working with them, PJ, COVID hit and all the dates just got wiped off the calendar. Mm. Um, I don't think there's anything that COVID did not touch. you know. Yeah. So, And then with the dates being wiped off, I'm kind of back to just doing playing drums on online session work where I have a little studio, maybe about a half an hour from here, PJ, where I live in Newport and a little studio. Somebody sends me a piece of music, a song or whatever. I right. record the drums in my studio and essentially just email the drums back to them wherever they are in the world. And I'm doing a lot of that's kind of on the music front. That's kind of the main thing that I'm doing at the moment. Isn't it incredible how that world has changed, Gordon? I mean, I remember Ruby Horse. I remember following you guys around, seeing and gigging with and around Burning Embers back in the day. Like set of drums in a small studio and you can play for anybody anywhere in the world. It's crazy. PJ, it is unbelievable. There are people writing hit albums in their bedroom, you know? But it, there's nothing, stating the absolute obvious, there's nothing that the digital world and the advent of the internet, there's nothing it hasn't touched, you know? It's touched American politics, I see from your Facebook page. You, you. Oh, my God. God almighty, PJ. Talk to me for a second or two about a, cor for a Corkman's point of view there in, in Rhode Island. What's happening in American politics at the moment? It's bonkers. PJ, it's like there are no words for what has what's happening with the Republicans, with the blind faith in Trump and all that. Science has been disregarded, PJ. God help us with that in terms of what we were talking about earlier in terms of global warming. Yeah. Science is just being kicked into the touch. And and you have nothing in anything, PJ, if you don't have truth. Yeah. And as absurd as what he's peddling is and how dangerous it is, what's truly like 
almost incomprehensible, PJ, is the amount of American people that are buying it. It's like, I was reading something yesterday, 12 million Americans Mm. believe that violence is justified, PJ, in order to put Trump back in the White House. I saw something about that. I was listening to it on late night radio and I thought, where did that figure come from? 12 million. Uh, It's supposed to be a reliable poll, but I would say it's accurate, PJ. I mean, I have friends that are Republicans and they're good people, PJ, but there are times, truth be told, where I just lose them in conversation when it comes to just when it comes to Trump. He's embroiled in all sorts at the moment. Some people think he'll go to jail. Some people think think he won't. But in, in the middle of it all, he's almost a slam dunk, isn't he, for to be the Republican candidate for the next election? I would say yes. The, th- the thing is, well, four more years of that man, I think the sun would set on the America we know and love kind of thing. You know, he, the world and America does not need four more years of him. But my concern is that he will get back in PJ because Biden's age is such an issue over here. People are very fond of him, as you know, here at Home Garden. People are very fond of Joe Biden, but he's starting to look a bit past it, like. Yeah, he, he you know, he's a good human being. I, I really feel, look, for the record, I don't have blind faith in any politician. Yeah. But compared to somebody like Trump, you know, the man is a sociopath. He's a malignant narcissist. And there's a strong chance that he may be given the keys to the Ferrari in 2024. That's nuts, PJ. You know, and I think one of the reasons that that's a strong possibility is because there's no real competition in Biden. I hate saying it, but, you know, if Biden gets back in, if he serves a full term, He'll be 86 years old by the time that term comes to an end in 2029, I think it is. 86 years old, PJ, to be carrying that kind of responsibility. I don't think you can. I I just don't think you can. And that's the concern over here, you know. Gordon, it's a long time since you left. Do you get back much? I do. I was back twice last year. Once on my own, just for a couple of days, going back to Ruby Horse, PJ, because... I was due to be back just to see my mom and see my family for a couple of days on my own, but it coincided with Ruby Horse doing a benefit for Ukraine in the Opera House. I remembered that gig, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when the dates lined up about my being back, I contacted the lads and said, guys, I'm back in town. Any chance I could jump up for a couple of numbers? I think that was last May, PJ. Jumped up, fantastic night, I think. I think there was over 30,000 euros raised. It was a fantastic night. But at that, at that time, uh, just back for a couple of days on my own, as I say. And then I went back later last year in August with my wife and child just for a couple of weeks. Spent some time in Cork and got down to, um, I like getting down to, you know, the Dingle Peninsula. Yeah. We rent a cottage down there and kind of hang out there and, you know, take it easy. Yeah, I get, I get back when I can, you good know. Man, good man, Listen, you take care of yourself over there with all the crazy goings on, not just politically, but with the climate change. But Gordon, great to catch up after all these years. Absolutely. Before you go, PJ, my love to everybody back home. And also, I'd just like to offer my condolences to Christy Dignam's family. We lost a giant last week, didn't we? I tell you, he wasn't as successful as some other people, but... 
I spent some time, I had a point a couple of on a couple of occasions with Christy, and the man was the real deal, PJ. I'm tell I'm telling you, he was the real deal. Beautiful human being, you know. Gordon will talk again. Take care, fella. Have a good one, PJ. Take care. Cheers, Gordon. Gordon Ash, uh, ex Burning Embers and ex Ruby Horse. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. Olive, your son, he'll be 23 on the 23rd, which is today, yeah? Um, my son was born on Bonfire Night and Bonfire Night in my family was always huge because God be good to my father. When we were small, we were put into our pyjamas and we were brought around all the bonfires in Cork. Yeah. So when Cullen was born on Bonfire Night, uh, we continued the tradition. And for years, just after his little birthday party or whatever, we got into two or three cars with all the party goers and we all drove around and he thought his <laughs> birthday was being celebrated by Bonfire Night. <laughs> I was surprised when he was born on St. John's Eve. I didn't call him John. <laughs> no, his dad was called John, so I couldn't go there. <laughs> I couldn't have to. <laughs> so you used to put him yeah. into the car and drive him around looking at the bonfires? Yeah, that was the end of his birthday then. And that we said everybody was celebrating his birthday. And um, yeah, that was a great celebration every year. Can't remember when it ended, but sure, we can't do it now. He's 23 and the oh, well, are gone. <laughs> that's the thing. They're kind of not. Officially, they are, but they're they're kind of not. I, I, I yeah, don't think he'd have yeah, the same attraction yeah, going to a bouncy castle now when he's 23. <laughs> Yeah, so we've great memories and we have it on video, you know, when he was about like five or six when he was old enough and we they got out and they, they threw, threw sticks into the bonfire and all the lads at the party, they thought that was great fun. Where, where you did know? you used so to go? What the, bonfire did you... Well, I, you, you were, I, I was listening earlier on, as a childhood bonfire, there was a huge one right in the middle of Congress Road in Turnus Cross, right yes. on the crossroad. yes. Um, but obviously that used to destroy the houses. Did you destroy the green? Out. Destroy the houses? Destroy Mrs. Mrs. Fogarty's washing? She would be given out for weeks, but absolutely, yeah. And then when that was stopped, because that was right in the middle of the street, right? So I mean, that was actually disrupting the traffic, but that didn't matter. Um, and then over to Toker was the huge one. You know, um, but we'd actually drive around. We'd go up the north side and we'd go down to Mahan yeah. and we'd go into all the estates, you know, and uh, great viewing. Great the, one, the one in Toker, that was over in Clashdoo Park, wasn't it? Up behind the NBAs. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then more recently, uh, well, they had a fabulous one in, in Passage. Um, oh. That then kind of tended to be the community one. But they used to come along then and put it out at nine o'clock or half past nine. And sure, that was no fun because it was still bright. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I can see a hundred reasons why they wanted to get rid of them, Olive. But I can also see a hundred reasons why they were a lovely tradition. It was lovely, yeah. It was a lovely tradition, yeah. We did the same thing then at Christmas time with the Christmas lights, you know, before before Christmas lights went mad in houses. It was unusual. Yeah. But my dad used to put us into the car and drive around to see the Christmas lights. You oh. know, innocent fun. I still you know, do that. Yeah. yeah, I do too. <laughs> I still do that, Olive. I still do that. All right. Well, how will he celebrate tonight? 
uh, we're going to Il Padrino's for a meal, so much more um, mature. <laughs> very, very, very sophisticated and all that. All right, well, wish, wish, wish Colin my best for his 23rd birthday. And you know what, you might take a sneaky spin around the, the bonfires tonight. I could see it happening. Olive, thanks. 0818-96-96-96. Sunday 25th of June, we'll have our annual get-together down at the Folly at Besborough. And you all know the story. I've been telling you about it for many, many, many years. The the last of the people to be adopted from Besborough was as late as the mid to late 90s. It didn't all happen in, in the dim and distant past of the 50s and 60s. It was right up to the middle and late 90s. And for the last number of years now, we have been gathering at the Folly in Besborough uh, to remember those, to remember those who were born and were adopted, those who had babies, who were adopted, those who died, and particularly the nearly 900 never accounted for. And we'll be doing it again this Sunday afternoon. Carmel Cantwell, part of the organising committee, joins me. Two o'clock Sunday, all welcome, Carmel. Yes, morning. Yes, everybody's welcome. You don't have to be associated with Bespa to come, please. Everybody, feel free to come along. The purpose of the event is is to remember. Yeah, I mean, for too many years, the children, um, the 923 that are registered dead, there's also stillbirths that were never registered, and 31 women died either in Besborough or shortly after in hospital. And they've never really been remembered until we started commemorating them about nine years ago now. Yeah, yeah. And people come from the four corners of the world. Indeed. I mean, we've got adopted people uh, that come from America, from New Zealand. Um, a few years ago, we had one guy that was adopted to Alaska. Um, so, And even in recent times, I've shown around three people from America, shown them where they were born. Um, so, yeah, the people are still coming back. Something coming back for the very first time, setting foot in the place yeah. for the very first time. So, if anybody wants to go, it's two o'clock Sunday. You go to the gates of Besbury, you walk down there, it's all the way down to the folly. There will be people showing you where to go and all of that. And we'll have some music and some, some speakers. Guest speaker on Sunday, let us know who that is, Carmel. That's Dr. James Gallen. He's an associate professor in the School of Law. Uh, and government in Dublin City, and he's just published this year his uh, his first monograph, uh, Transitional Justice and the History of Abuse, Church and State. Okay. So he'll be talking um, uh, about the, you know this very relevant subject at the moment okay. with what's going on with the government and redressing, etc. And all of those things. Carmel, yeah. it's two o'clock Sunday. Music will be by by Jimmy Lee, and I will be very proud once again. Uh, to host that event down at the Foz Folly in Besbra. One of our speakers on Sunday was on this programme back in November. I speak of Mary Jo Sullivan, who was adopted out of Besbra in 1960. She has never set foot in the place since. But when I spoke to her in November, I invited her to join us on Sunday for the commemoration, and she will be there. And uh, would be delighted to meet her after corresponding over the last couple of months. Right. Nice little story to finish out the week. We were talking a few weeks back to Vincent Cashman at the Cork Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals about a beautiful, gorgeous boy called Noir or Nero. He was the longest standing resident at the dog pound and they couldn't find him a forever home. And the wonderful news is he has gone to his forever home 
this week, Vincent. Isn't that right? Morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. It was actually um, a week or two ago now that he that he left left okay. us here. Okay, gorgeous boy. But they're still they're still running with it. So it's a, it's it's a great news story. Yeah, he's he's a beautiful lad, a lurcher, and you've a lot of lurchers. But but tell us about him. Where did he go? He went to uh, a couple came in, and they because of his celebrity status, mm-hmm. um, they they don't want because sometimes there when a, a dog is either mentioned by yourselves. Or um, a newspaper mentions it, they it, it kind of gets this celebrity. Or we call it a celebrity status for for want of a better term, and you get you get an awful lot of people interested in how the dog went and where he went and all of this. So we don't give out kind of those details, but where where this this guy has certainly more certainly landed on his feet. Um, he's he, he was a lovely dog. The the only problem with him here was his size. Mm. Generally speaking, when people are looking for a lurcher, they're looking for um, medium, small, um, something maybe a bit of whippet in it. But um, Nero was a big boy. Mm. A big lanky and boy. The, he was, And the problem with them is then, they're, they're, people's homes, as we're all aware, are after getting smaller over the years. And then um, the bigger dogs don't suit a lot of homes. Yeah. So you are looking at them uh, for a long time. Yeah. Well, and plus there was there were so many lurchers there. Yeah, you know, we were talking about that the last time. Are they still with you? Do you still have a lot of them? Uh, there's, thankfully, this week now has been quite good. Um, two weeks ago, we had, we'll say, we had a bumper week for adoptions. It is overall still very slow. Hmm. Um, but we're, we're expect that, I think that scenario is going to continue for a while, PJ, because there were so many dogs adopted during COVID. A lot of homes still have them, thankfully. Hmm. Um, and then because they have their dog, they're not looking to adopt. And yeah. that's, our, that's our problem. So homes that would potentially have adopted all hot dogs during COVID. So you, you could be looking at this kind of glut, for want of a better term again, for the next maybe yeah. six, seven, eight years. You also had a lot of people, didn't you, Vincent, who got dogs during COVID when they were working from home and confined to barracks for months on end and then yes. they went back to work and went back to going about their business and the poor dog was lonely and they had no use for a dog then which is a horrible thing to say but they hadn't and you ended up with loads of dogs being abandoned Yes, and you're, st- you're still getting a lot of dogs being abandoned Really? Uh, we, we get people in here when the kennels are full only this morning again uh, we couldn't take the dog off because our kennels were full and their their line is, but oh, but what what if the dog is found as a stray? Oh, so gosh. they'll actually threaten. Like we 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 should have moved on. It's not eighteen twenty three. It's twenty twenty three, but you still have some of the old things: uh, dogs found tied to railings, boxes of kittens found on walkways or at roundabouts, boxes of rabbits, which we've had in the last couple of weeks as well. Um, they're just dumping animals willy nilly. They don't. They, they, the caring side is 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 gone unfortunately for so, so so many people. There's a saying that gained some traction in the last few years Vincent and I, I've, I've come to very much believe it. we don't deserve dogs and certainly anyone who do that to a dog doesn't deserve a dog. Yeah unfortunately you're still you're still dealing with people who um, are, are treating them horrendously and and the worst thing is a lot of them don't actually see they're treating them badly. Weird. We get we get calls to go to places, and um, it's only when it's highlighted do they actually see how bad they've been treating them. Yeah, 
Yeah. And some so, people are just completely unaware of it. Yeah. And you probably get Asher, it's only an old dog. Yeah, we still get that. All right. Vincent, yeah, yeah. thanks as always for the, the wonderful work that you and your crew continue to do. And great to see that Nero or Noir, a most beautiful boy, his picture, I think his picture was up on Corpio, and we might have a picture of him that we can share. Gorgeous big lurcher cross. Finally found his home after being nearly a year, over a year actually, at the, the pound in the CSP. CA and his family wish to remain private because I don't think they want people trooping up to see him, which is fair enough. Thanks, Vincent. Coming back to the fires in Canada, talking to Gordon about it a little while back. They are still burning. In fact, yesterday, Hydro Quebec, it's a massive water company, Hydro Quebec had to evacuate their facilities in northern Quebec due to concerns about a fire. They're worried now that smoke would injure the staff. But the more interesting question is that they're also worried that the heat could destabilise some pretty massive dams. That's really worrying. But the size of the, the area, Gordon telling us, 11 million acres, and the size of Ireland in acres is, what? It's half the size of Ireland in terms of acres burning in in Canada at the moment. And they were seeing the smoke in New York and saw the smoke in Rhode Island where Gordon is from. Call says, but how do we know we didn't have fires like those when the USA or Canada was largely uninhabited? We don't. We don't. But it kind of doesn't matter because it's inhabited now and it's a very, very concerning thing. I did have some more stuff come in yesterday about Gather Pay, which I will promise I'll get to on Monday. Also, we will talk on Monday with Ashling, who got wonderful news about her cancer. We've had such a busy morning, we don't have time to finish everything, which is a wonderful complaint. And the Gather Pay becomes even more relevant in the context of the, the trouble money, which dominated much of our conversations this morning. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.